Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Social Jello with Angelo. I'm here with my brother Mickey Lopez. Yeah, yeah. From California. We're having a black belt meeting. Uh, Mickey has been blowing my phone up with some questions and some comments. And me, well, I, in, in all reality, I do the same to him. So we actually are always going back and forth on this stuff. And we have these weekly 30 minute, 45 minute conversations while I'm running up a hill. Or drinking some coffee out of my out of my uh, cookie monster mug, and <laughs> so we decided that rather than keeping all this information between me and him, we share it with all of you. So, uh, Mickey, the first thing on the on the on the on the do list: watering down the curriculum. Why do we do that? Well, I'll tell you. Um... You, you got to fill up the curriculum so, you know, students don't get bored. You know, it's, it's like, but in reality, hopefully, you know, 25 years down the road, you're going to realize that half that stuff won't work. But why did I learn it? It's because it's a part of the curriculum that was passed down from generations to generations. So, I mean, it is what it is, and and uh, you know, I, I'm you can't say I don't want to learn it because at that time, you know, you you want your black belt, and, and you you know you uh you got to learn it. So it's just like forcing, you know, liver down your throat. You know, you don't want to eat it, but <laughs> you you have to. You know what I mean? Uh, but then you figure out later on that you know what it's not that bad. But you know what. You know, there, there's there are some lessons to be learned in in some of those techniques. You know, so yeah, I mean, I think you know we've been doing this for a long time. Um, how, how long have you been doing this? Now? How long have you been teaching now, Mickey? Uh, roughly about twenty six years. Yeah, I've been I've been officially officially with like not not counting the the stuff I did unofficially. But I've been officially teaching uh, Kaju Kimball curriculum uh, for since like 2009. So like what? What's that? 2009. About 10 years? Over 10 years. Over 10 years. I'll say about 2009. So over 10 years. And that's not including the Kaju Kimball curriculum I was teaching when I was a colored belt. You know how, the, how we work? Like blue around blue belt, you start doing basics and you start doing the white belt and yellow belt curriculum, right? And what I can say is when I first started teaching, when I was first told by my, by my instructor, hey, Angelo, boom, um, go ahead and, and warm up the class. I was happy that my instructor, before, it was funny, before that moment, I was always, because I was always just hungry for more. Like, you know, I, like I told you, you know my background. I was, I was already, I was doing it for, for defense on the street, came from a rough neighborhood. I've mentioned this a thousand times. I got jumped 
and I, I wanted to be able to defend myself against multiple attackers. That's that's that was the main point. And I could care less about belts, geese, or anything else. Um, I started my own fight club out of my friend's yard. Uh, I was telling, I was joking around with with John. A, a league of questionable characters. It was a, uh, it was at a, it was at a friend's house that was uh, his, his business is to be remain unsaid because I don't want to end up in legal issues. But uh, <laughs> he um. And so it was a mix of, of ex-military, um, people who were – it's legal now in, in California. So we'll, I'll, I'll pull some gray areas here. You can kind of do some guesses. It's legal now in California, but at the time it wasn't. These people were entrepreneurs. They were ahead of their day. Um, <laughs> those people, because they had to secure their, their investments – themselves with their hands or with weapons if necessary so they were there for that and um and then we also had uh some people that actually came from dojos and we all met up at at this friend's house in his backyard with sparring gear and we just go over different stuff um so either way that's where i that's where i was coming from but there was no format to that we would just go in there and like one guy would go up from a from whatever background judo background hey Try this technique out. Everyone try that technique out. Or the ex-military guy would be like, hey, or, or, or one of my questionable characters guys from their entrepreneurship would be like, hey, you know, some guy tried to jack me the other day and I had to do this. I'm like, oh, let's do that. Oh, that looks that looks good. Let's try that. Let's work that. Let's drill that. Okay, now let's spar. Right? And that's how it worked. But when I got to my instructors and like that, they had their geese and, you know, now I'm doing Kaji Kembo. And when I sat down, I had to teach a bunch of kids. I was like, damn, what? I can't be talking about <laughs> – I can't be going over the League of Questionable Characters technique <laughs> of these kids. <laughs> so I was actually really happy that my instructor had a really bread-and-butter basic warm-up that I can remember off the top of my head. Okay, everyone, let's stretch. Let's do these basic stretches. Let's do these basic line basics. Let's do this technique, this punch number one, right? I was happy about it, um, especially the day that he told me, I'm sick. One day my instructor calls me, I'm sick and the other higher rank can't teach class today. And I can't, I don't want to cancel class. Can you go in and teach class today? And I was a brown belt and I was like, okay, I, I can do that. He's like, well, what do you want me to cover? And he's like, I want you to cover punch number one, punch number two, four, you know, Paloma one, Paloma two. And I was able to do it because of his foreman. He was, he wasn't, he would deviate from that. But the beginning, the first 30 minutes of class that I, that I, that when I started, I would complain about after the first two months. I'm like, we're doing the same stuff. Well, I already know this. I was happy that I could have this curriculum to fall back on for teaching because it made it easy to just teach. I didn't have to think. I didn't have to be like, oh, what am I going to do today? I was like, okay, I can boom, boom, boom. And then in the last 30 minutes, then I can do whatever I wanted. Like, like then if I have more advanced students, if I had students that were couldn't didn't know what they were doing. We can go back to that bread and butter and you y'all can keep doing the bread and butter. Now me and the higher ranks are going to go over some of the stuff from the league of questionable characters. <laughs> we're going to go over this stuff. So like, that was a nice part. <laughs> that was the nice part of, of having a, a quote unquote watered down curriculum. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you there's value. Let, let me take that back guys. And then kind of going back, there is value to that, you know, um, you know, the uh, what we call watered down is there is some value. I mean, the kids, including myself, I didn't have martial experience. I came from 
a basketball, you know, athletics. So that was a blueprint or, or background. But in, in hindsight, I'm learning about the culture. I'm learning about the history. I'm learning. There's so much more lessons that are in that quote watered down stuff. But honestly, like, like you, I was there to learn how to defend myself and, and get it good in shape, you know? So, and this was, you know, before the UFC and, you know, I was always, uh, actually, no, it was around, it, it was around, um, the UFC times and I was really searching for something that would fit me. So, and that's just a whole nother podcast right there, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I mean, if I would go back and learn something watered down, I would have to understand how this would work. And I guess, you know, that's where the patience of the martial arts has to come in handy. You got to learn patience. What am I learning this for? And you know what? All of a sudden I'm playing, I'm starting to use oblique kicks. Oh, that's in the UFC now. The front kicks that, you know, we do thousands of front kicks are now working, you know? So, yeah, but I haven't yet to see a peacock, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I but you know what? Wait, 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 wait. You have, but it's illegal. All those times you've seen someone go, ah, and then they show the replay. And you see the guy, and he, what he meant to do was check check the jab, but he ended up doing one of these instead, right? And then okay, they're like, whoa, whoa, okay. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, fine. Boring. That works. <laughs> <laughs> You know, hey, hey, talk about talk. I've been seeing this a lot more lately. I wonder if this is, uh, you know, the kaju kick to the groin. I, w I wonder if those guys do that just by time. You know what I mean? They're losing on points. Also, they kick to they kick him the groin. They're still hurting. They knock the dude out. I'm like, wait a second. Hey, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and um, uh, one more thing I, I'm going to say about watering down curriculum before I move on. Um, one thing I do like to do, though, is I like to sneak in because I, I love spicing stuff up. So I have my basic curriculum, but there was always a place, and this is where my instructor was pretty cool. He was like, this is punch one, for example. But he always told us, I, I remember I turned to my instructor the first time, like, Oh, how do I do the take? After a while, I was like, which takedown? Like, how do I do this takedown? He always showed us a basic takedown, a basic judo takedown. And then, but he never said it was a basic judo takedown. He's all, and then, you know, you punch, you grab, you punch, kick, grab, takedown. And I'm like, which, what, 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 what kind of takedown? He's like, anyone you want. So that's where he kept it open. And I, I love him for that because now that I, that I've, that I've, you know, where I'm at now, what it makes it fun for me as an instructor is I can still give the basics to a basic, a basic, you know, student, a white belt that's coming in. But then now my advanced students, if they have to review this, I'll throw in a different takedown each week. So every week they're working something new. Today we were working clinching. We were working grabbing the hand, clinching, getting behind them, and and popping the back of the knee to put them down and open them up for a chokehold. And then I'll teach a submission, right? So I can kind of grab the basic and then sneak in something fancy. And of course. You know, the white belts are having a hard time with the clinch. They're having a hard time with the submission part, but they get to kind of work it. And as long as I always tell them, oh, this is kind of difficult. I say, just focus on the first three moves and the final parts. Just try your best. 
And now, now everyone can kind of work the same thing together, but still have fun. So I think that was pretty cool. Like a, a way of kind of watering down, but still spicing it up, throwing some yeah. rum in there. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And, and you know, it, it's just the watered down may have worked a long time ago, but how can we make the watered down stuff now work? You know what I mean? Like, how can we tweak the the hor I mean, the outer blocks to make it work? Those can work if you tighten it up. You know, like everyone says, you know, the the inner blocks. So yes, they. That's a parry, bro. You know, the upper blocks. I've seen an upper block work. You know, so I mean, but I think we're learning too much of the tradition instead of the functionality. Make it function. And it's it's not really watered down, but you're making that that hour block, you know, work. You know, you're making it work. You're using that cover. You know, it's still an hour block, but why do we have to start from our hip coming out this way? I mean, that's tradition. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, but see, as me as a, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, why did I do that? That's that's the thing. I'm always like, whoa, you know, you know, but it is what it is. I think it's great for the kids, but later on, they have to, and if they do decide to stay on this path, they have to un, like, not do that. You know, it's gonna get them if they oh hey you put them against a a kid that's boxing in a boxing ring against that hour block. Guess who's gonna win? You know. Yeah. So, and again, I guess it comes down to, I guess it comes down to how you how you teach the self defense and application, right? I did. I changed it because I was allowed to, because we were allowed to. The first thing I did as a black belt is I took out the idea that when you block, you step to the head, you step to the side with your hands to your hips, and you do this. I got rid of that. I was like, that was the first thing I got rid of. I was like, hey, either either you start from a neutral position with your hands down and you're just standing there as if someone's assaulting you and you didn't expect it. But the second the action starts, hands up, move to the side, outward block, right? So like I did get rid of some of the stuff. I'm sure maybe someone listening right now is going to be pissed off. But I will say for warm-ups, we still do it traditionally. You know, we still get in our horse stance and we, we warm up. Today was Today it was 40 degrees inside my my uh my my dojo because it's freezing out here so like i was like all right guys we're gonna we're gonna do some blocks we're gonna warm up you know <laughs> and we warm up with the with the traditional stuff to warm up so it's not like i guess it's not like you can't do both i guess that's what i'm trying to get at like it's it's i i see and i guess it depends what you call watering down i feel well, watering down would be watering down would be to take out the takedown in my opinion like if you said i'm gonna water this down would be like to teach to teach the self defense with no takedown, or to take or to teach the self defense with no strikes, only a takedown, right? Because now we're kind of now we are watering down. We're taking away. We're not adding. We're taking away, and that's that's what you do to a. That's how I, I don't. Know, in my opinion, that's just. Yeah, I just you know, again for the longest time, my body was hardwired to punch with my hand down. And when I went and I sparred with other people, I was getting cracked because I was hardwired. 
And, you know, it's like I, you can't take the techniques literal sometimes. That's why you have to – you got to go out and play. You have to go out and lab it with the uh, – what do you call those guys again? Oh, the, the League of Questionable Characters. <laughs> yeah, that's – that's, exactly. Say, hey, does this work? No, it doesn't, you know. A League of Questionable Characters. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so next on our to-do list, um, promotion through competition. So, you know, back when I was uh, starting jujitsu, um, getting your blue belt was like impossible. I mean, if you got a blue belt, you were pretty okay. And this is Brazilian jujitsu now, right? Um, and uh, you know, I'm just like when when I used to see blue belts in Brazilian jujitsu. Or even purples. I was in awe, bro, back in the day. Back in the 90s, I was in like, whoa. And, yeah, you could see when they compete um, their level. You know, now it's like everyone's a black belt, dude. <laughs> Everyone, Everybody has a black belt. And, and I go, and I saw them just at purple. Then they jumped to black and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I just... And I feel like, damn, I don't think they even competed, you know. And so, so I don't know what the criteria is nowadays. I see a lot of, you know, big name UFC fighters that I've never seen in the Pan Ams, you know. I and, and you know what? I don't, I don't know why I even care about this. I'm just like, it's changed now. It's it's become, it's all about, hey, this is my student, you know. He's with me. He's a black belt under me. You know, and they get more students off. I don't know. It's marketing. It's marketing. It really is. And all of a sudden, you know, you get these, they get a rank that they can't fit. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, they, they, they have guys that, you know, that are lesser level will come in and punish them. And what is that? You know, I mean, well, because they've been, you know, they got a black belt because they have a, like, 500,000 students and, you know, whatever, good for them, you know, and the boss is getting paid. It becomes a, a pyramid, I think. So, but Hey, I, like I said, I just think it, it was kind of weird to me that back in the day, again, I was around the half Gracie guys and I saw the BJ pens coming up, the Dave Camarillo's, those guys. And I know BJ got his black belt in like three, four years. But I mean, he went to the Mundials. He went to Brazil. I, there, I see video. He fought the UFC. I mean, I get it, right? Um, I guess it's possible to get in three years. I mean, you know, you you. Uh, if it, I'm just saying, you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys. I'm just saying it's kind of weird now, okay? <laughs> you know, but um, again, back in the day, the criteria used to be you have to compete. Um, man, even getting your blue belt in like six years was unheard of. Like you had to represent your school. So that, that's all as far as competition is concerned. Um, that's all I got for that. So as far as promotion through competition, I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on what, 
When it comes to BJJ, I have to wonder. The reason I have to wonder is because of the kind of stuff they were. I, I, like I said, I, I what I see out of it is some people are really good at competition. I guess it really does come down to because the next point that you put you put there was promotion through a black belt program, right? And yeah. now some people are really good at competition, but are not very good at teaching. And some people are really great teachers, but they kind of suck at competition. I've met a lot of people like that. Like they're good at explaining a technique and they're good at, and they still compete, but they've never won a championship of any kind for X, Y, Z reason, whatever. Maybe they have injuries, who knows? Whatever, whatever reason it is that they've never won a championship or, yeah, or even, so I guess my question to you, is it just competition or do they have to win? Well, it's better that they win, you know, and you know what? And, and I'll take this back. I know um, some people that don't care for competition, but they can tap out the competition guys. Oh, okay. Okay. See, okay, okay, okay. See, I mean, there's another thing, but it's like, it's just competition is not my thing. It's like, I don't have to prove anything, but yet I can top some of your competition guys. Okay. So, but they're never going to move up. It's, it's very... I don't know how it is now, obviously, but back in that days, it's very political. You know, I know this one guy, he was a white belt for like 10 years. And, and he kept on going to the to the classes and tapping out the, you know, uh, the blues, the purples, the browns. But he would never compete because it's not my thing. So, and he just got it. He's like, you know, a sponge. So, once he once he understood that technique, it was... He was just like, I don't want to compete, though. He wasn't about the mentals. He was about the art, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where – I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a little different from – for anybody who's coming from Kajukembo who's never done Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a little bit different because in what I heard – in Japan, for example. In Japan, uh, you can pretty much – I see advertisements on Facebook from MMA schools looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructors from Purple Belt and up. So you can start teaching at Purple Belt. Now, I heard on podcasts, I heard people being taught by Blue Belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, here's where the rankings, and this is where rankings and promotions and uh, politics come in. Some of the best stuff I've ever been showed in grappling and I guess you can say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was shown to me by a guy who had a blue belt. And it wasn't because he he didn't have, it's not because he didn't compete. He competed and he won even. Um, he was, a, a, I'll just say, a, a Ramsey Dewey. I, I always say him on my podcast, but yeah, he, he taught me some of the best stuff I know. And his MMA career wasn't all that great. Now, he even says it. My MMA career wasn't all that great. I made a lot of mistakes and he talks about his mistakes. But um got his head caved in and that's why he had to retire. But the stuff he shows, like the stuff he went over, man, it's like some of the best stuff that I've ever done. Um, and technically you know, he's got a bunch of certifications and other stuff, but as far as his rank and BJJ, uh, it's a blue belt. Now, when it comes to like 
promotion through competition, promotion through a program. I, what I see, I, I, and we talked about this extensively, is what are you really looking for, I guess? One thing that does, what I've noticed in some schools, and um, uh, I'm not going to name any names, I do know that some schools promote students according to time in and not skill. And that is where I say, well, as a Kajikembo guy, it's for me, it's always been based on skill, not time. That's how my instructor did it. I don't know how other schools, we always say different Kajikembo schools do it differently, but my instructor was not about time. He was about skills. So if you demonstrate skills, you move forward, the end. If you demonstrate skills and you show up for promotions, you move on. My mistake, I never showed up for promotions. That's why I got held back. And even that, at one point, even he said, you know what? When can you come in? And the day I came in, I went from white to blue because of the skills, because I demonstrated the skills. So when I see Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is supposed to be, I, I, I want to say the whole idea that we're promoting because of competition is through skills, skill sets, right? What do you know? What can you do? And I think what I, when I see a program that is promoting based on time, you're making the assumption that time equals skill. And for some people it might, and for some people it won't. And then you have some people that might already have a bigger skill that are just being held back because of time. So I guess that's kind of my beef. I've met a lot of people that are black belts that don't have the skill to support it, but they put in the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean they put in the skill. And maybe they did compete, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. Are they good instructors? They're, they're, they're okay. They're okay. Some of them are not. Some of them are not. Okay. <laughs> let, let, me play devil's, let me play devil's advocate here. If I was a school owner and my whole source of income was a competition team, I wouldn't make it. So, I mean, if my students don't want to compete, I may lose them. So I, I guess that's that's one way to look at it. now that I think about it, you know, putting putting myself in the you know a general manager's owner's point of view. I mean, but at the end of the day, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is performance-based. So even if you don't compete, you better show me a good arm bar. You better not be getting tapped out by the first white belt that walks through that door. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah. look, but you know what? But you know what? Hey, bro. Anyone can have a bad day, you know, and and um, it is what it is these days. Everyone's in it, you know, for for health and fitness and and blah blah blah. But I guess I grew up back when Gracie Jiu Jitsu first started. Like it was fire. Like you can barely find any Jiu Jitsu schools now. You can find like three or four within you know, four blocks apart, you know, it's, it's like McDonald's almost, yeah. you know? And, and I mean, look. And what uh, is McDonald's, and what is McDonald's, right? McDonald's is a perfect marketing program backed by millions of dollars in marketing research. Uh, whenever they talk about, I was reading this business book that said, if you're going to open a new business, and you you don't you can't afford the money for marketing. Just look where the nearest McDonald's is and open next to them. They already did the marketing for you. So like, you know, 
yeah, like you said, playing the devil's advocate as a martial artist bothers me. As a businessman, as a as an instructor who might have be having to depend on this, like you said, for your livelihood, this is all you got, and you gotta you gotta pay the bills. Then all right, right? Hey, like, and let me tell balance? you, Brazil, where's that balance, right? And guess what? Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like out here in the states, it's I think they charge about 150 a month at least, average. And if my student goes out there and gets hurt, guess what? They're quitting and I'm losing money. So, hey, I'm not going to force it on you, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, I got about 300 students and 150 a pop. Do the math on that, Angelo. That's, you know, but, and you're going to stick with me through 10 years of my black belt program. Guess what? You're a black belt. Yeah. Hey. And then, no and, comment. And you know how they're working. They're working that once they have a black belt, that guy can go out, open his school, and then they get a piece of that, like you said, with the, with the whole pyramid scheme. So, yeah, like. And the average, okay. uh, the average to get a black belt in general is about 10 years. Right? Roughly 8 to 10. Yeah, 8 to 10 in, in every program, whether it's based, performance-based, or whether it's uh, – Black belt program based or time time spent uh, on average. Now there's those exceptions like you mentioned with the people that are now grabbing already existing UFC champions and they're making them black belts just to be like, hey, this is my guy. But still, like, hey, this is my guy. And then that guy opens an MMA school, opens a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. He might not be able to teach a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. Guess who he's going to ask to come teach the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program? Instructor or a seminar. Yeah, boom. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So your next point on here is, let's see here. What does the black belt mean? And we start off with BJJ. So we're kind of black we're kind of continuing on BJJ. <laughs> right. I mean, look, the black belt to me, um, in Brazil jiu-jitsu. That's what you started it, off with. That was a point, yeah. Oh, well. It, Look, the black belt to me is just a white belt starting over. That's that just me, man. And and uh, you got a firm grasp of the basics. Now, whatever stripes or rank you get next is really, you know, kind of on a slippery slope. It's kind of weird. Some people, like, you have to have students under you now or, you know, you have to have – your own school, brick and mortar school. Um, but I, I feel like you just got to refine the basics and teach, you know, and, and um, I don't have, I don't have students. I wish, you know, everyone's like, you know, you should open up your own school and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm kind of doing that now, but they're not like no one wants to learn like, like basic stuff they they want it's like now they want everything fast you know they they want everything now but if you don't give them a foundation of just like at least footwork and you know do do you really want to stick with me for the next 10 or 15 years and and go through basic stuff do you i don't know do you have the patience for that you know i i don't know it really 
there's those 0.5% of people that really want to learn the art. So that, and, and I guess that's why I, after um, I was running my own gym, I couldn't, I don't know. I, I just couldn't do it because I feel like I'd be selling myself out. Like, you know, if, if I don't promote you, it's because, you know, I'm putting my stamp on you too. So if I give you a belt of any kind and, and they say, oh, who's your instructor? Oh, Mickey Lopez, your instructor. And, and you don't know this or you're, you're sparring like that. Nah, I can't do it, bro. I, I don't know. You know, it's like I'd rather have quality than a quantity. You know what I mean? So as far as black belt is concerned, Man, I'm a beginner all over again, bro. Because there's so much to learn out there. It's, um, I just have a white belt on forever. I don't, you know. I mean, my black belt's over there, and um, I, I feel good to have it. It was like eight years off and on, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can represent. You know, Grandmaster Ron, and again, he's very open, just like your instructor is open. Um, but you know, he. We're different in a lot of ways. You know, he's different. We're just different. Yeah. So going off the points, answering your points, uh, I guess I'll try to do a quick fire. A black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to me means someone who should be able to teach the basics of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They should be able to tell me what to do in a competitive setting and coach me. Like the, uh, a black belt person just should be able to coach a student in competition, whether they competed or not. Like that's that's whatever. But as, they should be able to at least coach, right? Going back to Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson's coach was not a boxing coach. He was a psychologist, but he was able to coach him in boxing, right? So like they have to have the ability to do that. Um, that means that they might not have fancy guards, by the way. We, we already know that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has styles. If you, if you don't know, if you've never done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, then it's really hard to explain this to you. Brazil, within Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there is styles. They just don't, they haven't labeled them. Uh, that's, that's the weirdest thing. I'm waiting. It, that's one of the things, if I have time, I'd love to kind of write down the different styles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They kind of mention it. A pressure passer. The simmer and cooker. I, I'm going to come up with names for this shit, right? But I do have, but we like in, in the stand-up arts, we have names for this. Like we have a, we have our Muay Thai guys. We have our strikers that like to that have a boxing lead. We have our, we have our southpaws. We have our regulars. We have our, we have our kung fu guys. We have these. But in BJJ, the same thing has happened because there's only so many different things you can do on the ground. But there's styles within that. There's guys that like to play bottom game more. There's guys that like to play the new double X guard, the new rubber guard, the open guard. They're the ones that like. These are the ninth planet, the tenth planet guys that like to do that fancy X guard shit. You know, they, they're like all rubber guard and, and doing yoga and you know turning into rubber bands and stuff, right? Like like fantastic for relaxed though guy, you know, just like wrapping <laughs> around. So you got and that's a style, right? Um, but I think an instructor doesn't need to not maybe per se he won't be able to do all those things, but he should be able to grab someone and get them through it. Good clothes guard, the basics of what jujitsu was when it started. Good close guard, good passing, side position, mount. I, I'll throw half guard in. Some, some of the traditionalists will say half guard is not part of the original parts of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's something that came up a little later. But I'll throw half guard in there. They should at least be able to teach 
the basics of half guard, the basic positions. They should be able to do that from top and bottom. Uh, north, south should be in there too. Um, and to me, someone who can teach that and make someone proficient in it, help someone win in competition in it in all levels, white, blue, and purple, and then later even brown, then, then they deserve their black belt. Like that's... Let me ask you this, Angelo, being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, and Hick, this is uh, Hicks and Gracie's biggest thing is um, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys are winning by pins. Now, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was based off submissions. Is that right? That's like, you right. got to go for submissions, bro. Um, so, I mean, I guess it, it's, you know, if, if, you're, if I'm holding you down, and I win the worlds, and I and I get a gold through pins. I guess that's okay. That might but be again, I guess the, that might be coming from the other point you said about what's a black belt in judo, right? A lot of judo guys have gone into BJJ and looked at the rules. And if you look at judo, it's all about the takedown on a pin. Now you know. Yeah, so yeah, basically, you need an instructor to teach the essence of the art. Just. You know, from the t yeah, from everything. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, a black belt right there. Yeah, but he understands the basics, and he's he too is still learning. So yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah. So again, but, he obviously is still learning because he's only like I just mentioned. He's got close guard, right? Got close guard, side position, just the basic positions. He's good in all these positions, but now. We're not including an extensive knowledge of X guard, open guard, um, <clears throat> De La Riva, all the new stuff that keeps evolving. We're not including that 50-50 guard. We're not including that. Because like you said, then now as a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you still have to work all this other stuff because the sport's always evolving. Um, to answer, because you answered your question real quick. You answered all three points. Uh, you already answered what a Kaju Kimbo black belt should be too. And my answer to a Kajikimo black belt is the same one. I've said this in the podcast. You should have the basics in, in the acronym. Basics of karate, uh, basics of judo and jujitsu. You should have the basics of kempo and kung fu. You should have the basics of boxing and kickboxing. You should be able to go into any parts of that acronym and not look like a beginner when you walk into class. Even if you tried to lie about it and say you were a beginner, someone will approach you and tell you, hey, what do you know? What have you studied? They should be able to see that in you. I mean, yeah, there's a certain you can tell if someone walks into your gym and has trained before, you know, and sometimes what I like to do is, all right, guys, shadow box and I'll look around and I'll see structure. And if they tell me they've never boxed before, you can tell, you know, all right, guys, let's go round kick. You know, I'll, I'm like, OK, they, they straight lied to me. They know what they're doing, dude. Yeah. You know. So they're all, when we spar, we're not sparring, bro. You know, like, look at you. This is the beginner's class. You're out here. You know, it reminds me of that guy. <laughs> you know that guy that goes around challenging people at 24-hour fitness? You know what I'm talking about? That one guy, he'll, like, he'll like barely put his gloves on and he'll sucker punch him, man. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah, yeah. See – Black belt in, in college or anything, you just got to you, – you have to be comfortable. I'm not saying you have to master it, but if I take you down, you better know how to get back up. You better know some basic boxing, 
some basic Osotogari, you know, some low lines, you know, you better know some basic grab arts, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, put them in any situation and they can escape. That's a black belt right there. And you I know? think you, you made a really good point right now that they're not a master in anything. I think some people do confuse getting a black belt with being a master in something. Cause I've had, I've had, I've been to MMA gyms where when I went in, they found out like, you know, they, you know, I went to visit and like, Hey, I've had some past martial arts experience. I don't talk about my rank. I say, you know, I've been doing this for this long and I'm coming in. And then later it comes up. They're like, okay, so what's your rank and what you do? I'm like, ah, I got a black belt in it. They're like, okay. And then later, like they expect me because I'm this black belt. I'm supposed to suddenly beat one of, you know, their 22 year old guy. That's a champion in whatever he does. Right. So like, I think there's a difference between saying that mastery and being a black belt again, like some people expect a black belt to be undefeated. And there are those guys, there are those guys or there are those, what was it? Mar Mar Marcio, Marcio Gracie, Mar Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo Garcia, Marcia Garcia, Marcelo Garcia, right? He's got supposedly rumors of he's never been tapped in, in, in never in competition and never. And I don't know. was it Marcelo Garcia or was it either way? I might be wrong in the name. But there are these people out there in, in their arts where they have these legends behind them that they've never tapped, or that, which I think is bullshit, by the way. I don't believe it. I think that's more of that folklore stuff of trying to make it bigger than what it is. Um, but people believe it. And so then they see it and they think that's what it's supposed to be. And I, I, I'm more along the lines that you start all over again. Your next point on here, Mickey, is <laughs> how training has changed in the past. Uh, UFC one hundred eleven, nineteen ninety. No, no, no. That was the day it started. So oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. January November, 11th, November. Okay, yeah, November eleventh, nineteen ninety three to now, two thousand twenty one, twenty eight years later. So it was style versus style back in the day, you know. And I, I'm going back, and I was just reminiscing about how Hoist was just doing his jujitsu and looking back on that, I'm like, man, you know, he was taking guys down, choking them out, arm locking them. Didn't matter how big they were, you know, like I I'm going to not going to lie. When he first squared up with Ken Shamrock, I'm like, this shoot fighter is going to break his freaking ankle off. And Hoist took his back. I was like, holy crap, you know, because I was looking at aesthetics you know, Ken was just jacked, man. I was like, there's no way he fought in Japan. I was, yeah, you know, Ken's the man, you know. Um, but, you know, I mean, just Hoist was so smart and so crafty. You know, he just let Ken fall into his traps. But, uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll tell you, jujitsu is such a beautiful art. Um, back in the 90s. Now everyone knows jujitsu because you can go on YouTube, you know, you now now there were some instructors that weren't you couldn't go, they didn't want to show you the secrets. Now you got these high-level jujitsu guys with all the different camps where now they're just a team, you know. You know, they got American top team, they got Japan top team, whatever. <coughs> now it's like, you know. A half Gracie coach is with this team, and you got these 
it's it's now it's 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 the athlete you know it's it's you don't see jujitsu is always going to win jujitsu is has already done his job but here we are in 2020 you know and, and looking back we want to talk about the evolution there it is you know congratulations thank you gracie family for 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 waking us up and saying we got to learn the ground. Now that we learn the ground, you know, I seen people, uh, Kevin Holland got Yoel Romero in his guard and knocked him out from his guard. You have strikers that know enough jujitsu that are using jujitsu, but they're using their striking. So now it's not even a style anymore, bro. It's the athlete now. So and that's the I'm gonna pause you real quick. All right. And welcome back. Um, sorry to interrupt that. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> I had to put my dogs back in the house. Um, who so you let the dogs out? No, <laughs> my my wife did. So, <laughs> um, you uh, you were you were saying about how jujitsu has evolved, and now um, you got teams, and uh, and you were talking about uh, how Yolo Romero got knocked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, Yolo Romero got knocked out. By this, uh, God, I just well, I just said his name and I totally blanked out. Oh, it's like um, they heard it earlier because you said it, and I, ha I have it on recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so basically, he had him in the garden, he knocked him out from the garden. And, uh, you, you know what? Let me just he, go off on a tad. Was he, was he on the top or the bottom? So, Yoel was in the guard. Holland, Holland was on oh. his back. Oh, wow. And he was here and he threw a hook at him. I was like, bang. And, you know, you well just kind of looked at him and you hit him again. And that was it. I was like, wow. Wait, you know, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. so let me, cause I'm still getting confused here. Yoel was on the top. Yoel was in the guard of Kevin Holland. Okay. And then Yoel knocked him out on the bottom. No. Other way From around. The, Kevin Holland was on his back. Okay. In the guard. All right. He was, uh, he had uh Yoel Romero in his guard, open guard, whatever. Okay. And he hit him with the hook, bro, from within the guard. And knocked out Yoel. Knocked him out. And I'm wow. like, you know, and going back to all your talking about the 50-50 the guards and all that, you know what that is? That is great marketing to distinguish your jiu-jitsu. You come to Angelo's and you will learn the 50-50 uh, uh, flipping around guard. You know, like, and at the 10th planet, the 10th planet, that's they got hey, that's very innovative, very um what's the word I'm looking for is original, man. You can't take that away. So, but to me, it's all great marketing, bro. Like, if you ever come train with me, you know, you know, you'll learn how to do like really cool tricks or so. I don't I mean, whatever marketing I'm gonna use is how I'm gonna draw you in, but you know, it's all, it's all jujitsu, bro. It's all, you know, martial arts is all martial arts. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, it's just the evolution has just been amazing. Now, again, I, I was saying this earlier, the front kicks, you know, I'm seeing trapping in, in MMA now. And some people say trapping doesn't work. It works. I'm seeing destructions in MMA. It's working. And again, you know, um, back back in 
those Hoist Gracie days where no one knew jiu-jitsu, yeah, it, it's – because they – it's just like, why is this guy trying to grab me? And now, now, always try – I'm, I'm going to re-pummel. I'm going to put him on his back. I'm going to learn how to get, you know, I know enough jiu-jitsu to get out of those positions now. So it's, it's, it's a chess game now for sure. And then, again, when you're talking about the evolution of jiu-jitsu, like, it's funny because I was talking to my, my, uh, my BJJ instructor, and he's like, I don't like the new UFC because there's not enough jiu-jitsu. And I was, I was like, what are you talking about, man? Like, and he, he said, I miss the days of – and I was thinking to myself, like, this is a dinosaur. Like, <laughs> I'm talking to a dinosaur about missing the days of, of back in the day when there was style versus style. Um, because if anything, I, I, I don't even know if maybe the great, I don't even think the Gracies saw that coming. I think the Gracies created it at the time thinking they were already pressure testing it because they were letting people come off the street and challenge them, not realizing and because they came off the street and they didn't have any YouTube or anything. So it was all like in-house, some guy, and anyone can do that, right? I can say, hey, open challenge. My instructor did that. Open challenge. We had people coming in all the time and we'd beat the hell out of them. So, like, we just didn't put it on YouTube later. So, like, you know, they did that. And then when they finally put it in the UFC, when the UFC finally started and they started, now I feel that's where the real pressure test came because now the whole world saw. So the whole world started formulating an answer to it. And that's why, like, it took a while. It took a while because a lot of those guys that, that lost, even Shamrock, who lost, later came back and took a championship, they all left. And said, okay, we got to figure this out. Whether we become the best at uh, BJJ or not, we got to figure out what it is, come up with an answer to it, and then do what we do, use our, use our strengths to win. And so, um, yeah, it's not surprising to me that now that everybody knows, has an answer to the ground, now you have these fights. And he was like, it's all kickboxing now. I'm like, it's not even all kickboxing. And then I realized, like, well, my BJJ instructor really doesn't have a good understanding of, of mixed martial arts. He only understands BJJ. But, like, when I see the modern UFC, I see more, I see what ca- the acronym of Kaja Kimball more and more. I see, I see karate, I see judo, I see jujitsu, I see some kung fu, I see some trapping. I notice trapping on the ground when the guy's on the top and he's trying to avoid getting hit in the face. I see, I see the Wing Chun trapping to be able to bam. You know, so like I see this because I've been exposed to these arts. And, um, and yeah, there's also the kickboxing and the boxing. And the reason it's like that is if, if you're a, if you're just a stylist, you go into the UFC, good, you won't even make it. You won't even get to the UFC. If you are a stylist, you will not even get past amateur MMA. You're just going to get creamed in the, in the amateur division. Everyone's just going to knock you out. Well, you know what? Back in those days, I don't think they had like a, a farm system. And now they have all these shows. And then, you know, that's how you get noticed. Now you have agents. I think Managers, all you had to do is promoters. all you had to do back in the day was sign up. And says, "Hey, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a kung fu fighter, you know, and I'm from here. Sign me up, and they put you in there. Go ask Frank Edish that. Remember that guy? Look him up. You know, <laughs> oh my God, you know, uh, it's it's look anyone that steps into a ring, a cage, you know." And can actually put yourself out there and fight. You know what? I give you so much props because, again, that lit the fire for us coming up. You know, so so they they 
they did it. And and look at all those wrestlers, bro, that started coming in and dominating the grappling arts. You know what I'm saying? And and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys had the trouble with that. And stop me if I'm wrong, but the biggest weaknesses of jiu-jitsu are the takedowns, right? The takedowns and the idea of using pressure. They look down upon people who use strength. They they look down. Now they know. Now they're figuring it out. But a lot of the old schoolers look down on the idea of being an athlete. They look down on the idea of weightlifting and having a training regimen. And if you use, and even now in Japan, they still have that mentality. I'm always being told in class, oh, it's, he's so strong. He's so strong. It's, dude, it's not that I'm so strong. What, the question isn't why am I so strong? The question is, if you've been doing this longer than I have, supposedly, why aren't you? What are you doing? You're just doing BJJ. You're not running and you're not lifting weights. Why? Like, you do know we have these things called gyms and there's weights there. You can lift them and you can eat well. You can go on the internet, cope with a nutrition program, and you can get stronger. Like, there's nothing, get, there's nothing wrong with having muscles. Like, they, some of the old school guys, they have like this thing where you have too much muscle, can't move right. Too, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. That's just not how that's science says no. Um, but here, next point. You have another, we have, we have a few more, many more points. Hey, baby. I'm talking to Mickey. Are you okay? Yeah. It's my daughter. You want to say hi to Mickey? You want to say hi to the people? Hi. The people say hi. Hi. Say hi. Happy holidays. You, li you like my snowflakes? You like the snowflakes? Santa, do you? Yeah, you do? <laughs> I like your fur coat. Right, What's your name? Back. <laughs> her name's Anna. She's grabbing her coloring books. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> right on. So your next point here is nine to five martial arts fighter uh, and the full-time martial arts fighter. Anna, can you close the door, baby? Yeah. What? Um, so, yeah, you know what? I'm happy to say that I can actually train full time now, kind of. I mean, I'm coaching, but but I'm getting my work in. Um, what is my point with this, Angelo? <laughs> I don't know. You 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 sent me you sent me that point. You said I I I I I don't know what you were thinking about when you said it, but but you said it, so it's there. Want me to? I have some comments, and you can think about it. Um, so here's my thoughts on it. Um, first of all, I, I, I want to say a nine to five, mar a nine to five job martial artist versus a full time martial artist, maybe a passer timer. I don't even know if nine to five is really the, well, the word I would use. One thing I've uh, maybe some people don't know, and I've said this before, I'm an English teacher, but I'm also lucky enough that I've had my own gym in my area because I live in the middle of nowhere and I didn't have anyone to train with. So I, I did the whole, if you build it, they, were, they will come philosophy. So I built it so that way I can train. So a lot of people maybe think that I'm a full-time fighter, but I think the whole idea of a full-time fighter is kind of a myth because if you look at it, uh, Jack Dempsey in his book talks about how many of the professional boxers back in the 20s, 30s, they all had day jobs and they had to figure out how they were going to work their nine to five and then get into the gym that night and still have their family time and still do everything else in between that. And that's how I've always been. Even when I almost was at the pro level, like I think one of the biggest failures I made as far as not becoming a professional fighter 
is not so much that I didn't have the skills, but I just didn't have the drive to make the money. And I think you need, if you're going to become a professional fighter, you need that drive to make the money, which is now a whole different skill set from actually having skills in the ring. You need to learn how to promote. You need to learn how to nowadays talk some shit, uh, start some shit. I think Conor McGregor really showed us that having that showmanship, which some people hate, sells pay-per-views. Mayweather sells pay-per-views. They, this comes from the catch wrestling wor- world. It comes from pro wrestling. The idea of getting people upset, creating a villain that, that they want to see be defeated brings more money to the venue. Because then when you eventually do lose, because everyone does eventually lose, um, a lot of people are going to come see that. And you're going to make a lot of money. But I never played that game. Professionally, I've ha- always had the skills. But professionally, as far as promotion, I was never really – like I literally came out with – my hood like this so you couldn't see my face um because i could care less about people seeing who i was when i when i did come out to my semi-pro debut but does that mean i had to balance a nine to five and professional training but you could only train so many hours in a day anyway so like if you're really ambitious and you really want to do this um i was working a nine to five job and i was training at the same time it meant, it meant waking up before my wife and i have a kid i'll my first semi-pro fight, my wife was pregnant during it. So that if, you, if, if none of you guys have a pregnant wife, then you know, you've never been through that. It's busy. So I would wake up before she did. She woke up every morning at 7. So I woke up every morning at 5. I would wake up at 5 in the morning. I would make a small I'd drink. I'd have a small breakfast. So I had to have breakfast with her later because you know how you have, you have your responsibilities as a family man. Wake up at five in the morning. I'd train for two hours. T- then I'd she wake up at seven. I'd make, do our breakfast thing. And then after that, I would go to work. Um, after work, again, uh, have dinner with the, with the wife. She'd go to sleep. She'd go have a rest time around eight or so. And then I would train some more, eight to nine. And then I'd be home again. So now I trained three hours. I was getting three hours of training a day. And then twice a week, I'd meet up. I hired coaches. I'd meet up with my coaches twice a week. And then I had sparring every Sunday at the club. So it was a lot of solo training. If you have the ability to have a class, like you're lucky enough to actually have a coach or a gym or a group that you can train with every day, that's even better. Now now you can do your solo, but you still need solo training. If you think you're going to get through this without solo training, you're fooling yourself. You're kidding yourself. So I think that's, again, but then I think that, again, even though – I guess we have to we have to kind of smash the myth of what a full time fighter schedule is, Um, because that's the first thing. If you're lucky enough, you get signed. Now you can just train all the time and that's how you make all your money. Then, okay, cool. Now you have even more time to to work that schedule. But now I want to distinguish now that we have this distinguish between what's a full time fighter, a nine to five fighter. I see a nine to five fighter as the person who comes in or the nine to five martial artist as as the person who comes into the minimal one class, two classes a week for an hour. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, I, I think uh, some people do it just for a hobby, you know, the nine to five and, and the full timers. I mean, they probably got sponsors or, or, or mom and dad got hella money where they can just live their dream real quick, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't know why. I, I think I was just a little. 
I think I was on one when I wrote that question. <laughs> so, well, for me, I was like, well, for me, I, I, I think, I, 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 think I know we're, we're kind of going into, and I, I want to mention though, like, is the idea of a hobbyist who just does it once or twice a week and the actual person who just loves it. So like, I love it. I love it. I do it. Um, I still have my full-time job. I mean, I still have my full-time job. I'm lucky enough that I've worked my job to still fit my schedule where I work evenings. I do all my family stuff, send, drop off my daughter at school, and, I, and I've made a block of time to train every day in the morning. And the only reason I don't train on Saturdays is I, I need to take a rest day, right? Hey, but you know like, what? I'll tell you, it also helps to have a cool spouse that doesn't give you any crap. Well, you know? again, I, she gives me crap. I had, <laughs> I had to, again, I, I'm, being, I'm being very open about this. In the morning, I do all my family stuff. Otherwise, I will get crap. So like, you know, morning, she goes, she goes, the, the one thing that she does not give me crap about is, and that's why I reduced this, the training schedule for teaching. I only teach on Tuesdays and Sundays. And yeah, I, I would, if it was up to me, I'd teach every day, but then I'm taken away from my family stuff. And it's not about so much about getting crap. Like some people are like, oh, getting crap. Well, I mean, I'm still, I'm still a family man, right? I still have my family I got to take care of. And um, I guess it just depends on what you're doing. And if you're teaching full time, then I, I'm guessing your spouse is probably going to be more understanding of the fact that this is part of your income. It's no longer, I love to do this. Now it's about saying, I got to go to work, right? And hopefully your spouse understands that. <laughs> I love you, babe. You understand. <laughs> so your next point on here was uh, understanding the technique and the definition of a white belt. You put definition of a black belt, but we covered that already. So I'm going to say uh, understanding the technique and definition of a white belt. Well, the definition of a white belt, you know, you come in and you're looking for something. You're sometimes you're like, you know, everyone's like, I want to learn how to defend myself. You know, that's usually why a lot of people want to train uh, martial arts. Or, but, or lately, especially now with New Year's coming up, I want to lose weight. Right. Getting right email, I'm getting emails right now. I want to lose weight. Well, you know what's funny is don't, that's another podcast is, <laughs> the excuses that comes with it. But you know they're they're searching for something. They're white like coming in. They're searching for that sense of belonging, um, community, a group where they're all like minded people. You know, but you know when that when they're ready to start that journey. I, man, when I put on that white belt, Angelo, it was like the journey begins, you know, this is where, you know, I'm going to just die. I, I don't like in anything I do, I dive two feet in and, um, again, I bounce around from a few different arts, but when I found what I was looking for here, I hear, here I am still bro. And, uh, yeah, so so I, I think that's what a white belt is. It's For, just a journey. They're just on that path of self-mastery. They want to master. They, they, it's like they want to find something within, within themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's goal setting. You know, 
Now, I know some gyms don't have belts or whatever, but, you know, honestly, if, if you want some kind of goal, you got to go to a traditional martial arts school. And, and, and they have to have a, a belt system because, again, that's how they keep people, you know? And not just I keep mean, people. Like, I, I was listening to a podcast with JKD guys, and a lot of the JKD guys are complaining that because a lot of their programs don't have belt systems, that a lot of their students have no idea where they're going. Like, well, I've been here for three years. What's that mean? And, like, that's, and even the JKD guys started making up, like, some sort of ranking system. I've heard people, I've heard MMA schools doing the same thing. Like, well, we don't have a belt system. Well, maybe we'll make them wear these type of colored shirts. And like, pretty much belt, shirt, whatever. Like you need, it helps to have a visual representation of where you are and where you're going. I noticed a big difference in my school because I used to not have it. I used to be like, okay, you'll get it when you get it. And I, it was all everything I said. But I noticed a big difference in all my students' attitudes the second I said, okay, everyone, bam. They already had belts. They just didn't know what was needed for each one. And as soon as I said, bam, here's the ranks. Here's what you need to know step by step. I suddenly had students during open mat going and looking at it and be like, all right. Hey, 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 uh, Angelo Sensei, can you show me uh, Can you show me punch number two and three real quick? Like, yeah, sure. They're like, oh, hey, can you show me some more? And they're looking because on there it says like understanding of grappling. Hey, can you show me maybe a new takedown? So like they, now they have like a really focused direction on where they want to go and how they're going to get there. Um, your definition of a white belt for me, I don't even, I, I got so sick of people coming and just testing out and for a month and then I give them a white belt and then they don't come back and they, that costs me 10 bucks and they came in for four lessons and I don't charge that much. And like most of the money they paid, I got sick of it. So for me, a definition in my school, a definition of a white belt is someone who wants to actually do this. You actually want to do this. You want to show up and you want to do it and you understand what it is because uh, I have a lot of people who come in all the time. They don't get what it is. And if you don't get what it is, then why even bother? Like you said, if the white belt is where the journey begins, why am I even going to get you started on a journey that you're not going to complete? So like, or not <laughs> even, not even complete. I understand a lot of people won't complete it, but why even get you started on a journey that you're not even going to take the first step? So like, you know, like check it out, make sure you know what it is and you understand what it is. And I, I have right there, like white belt understands the Kaji Campbell philosophy. Like, you have to understand what this is. What are you getting into? You're getting into the acronym of karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, kempo, kung fu, boxing and kickboxing, and how to use this. If you, go, if you can't wrap your head around that, if you're like, I only want to do boxing, or oh, no, I hate grappling. I don't want to do grappling at all. Then go do judo. Go to a wrestling place. I don't give a fuck. Don't waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of your students, they come to you for what? Kickboxing. Most people that come in, always say they want kickboxing once in a while once in a great while i'll have someone who wants to do jujitsu i have one guy and that's because he did jujitsu in, in kobe and he found out he's like oh i saw that you do jujitsu and he came in for jujitsu and then i had another guy who listened i have a guy who's uh my one of my students who listens to a lot of joe rogan and he's an he's a he's he's not japanese he's uh british and he came in because he wanted to present jujitsu because he listens to a lot of joe rogan but um you know, again, the first few lessons, like, it's going to be that, but it's going to be a lot more. And if you can't figure that out, then you're not going to like it. Go go do whatever it is that you wanted to go do. This is what I do. I, I tried to, I made the mistake the first year of trying to accommodate things for people. And all I found out was then now the people that actually came for the, for the whole thing 
are being taken on a side quest because this one person doesn't want the whole thing. So every time that one person comes up, I try to accommodate, okay, this person likes to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I'm going to do a few more Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu drills for this person. This person likes kickboxing, so I'm going to do a little more kickboxing drills for this person to be to, keep, to stay in the program. And I realized I shouldn't be doing any of that. I learned that they'd leave. Those people would leave anyway. The second it wasn't that, they would leave. So I'm like, you know what? Why am I doing this? It's either you like this or you don't like this. And that's not my, it's not my job to convince you. Then again, I'm lucky. I already have my job, so I don't have to worry about marketing. So if you don't like it, fuck you. I already have my money. So like, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said earlier, right? Remember, I was like, if you're a, if you're a business owner, you gotta kind of, you know, yeah. If I look, if I was a business owner, I would again. If I was a business owner, I would open a boxing program. I would separate the acronym into different classes. I would be doing. I dip into my. I dip into my knowledge of cutting weight for fights and personal training, and I'd be doing personal training as well. And I would put all that together to make, to pay the bills. If that's what I had to do, I would do that. But I'd still be the same attitude for the Kaja Kimbo program. I'd be like, oh, you don't like this? Then Wednesday we have the boxing class. Don't come to this program. It's not for you. Yeah. No, I, I know a lot of my friends, um, they do that. They separate. They got a Muay Thai class, Jiu-Jitsu class. And they come to the class, say what they want. And then they have their Kaja Kimbo class. So, you know, not, see that, and that's the thing these days. People don't have the patience to learn the art. They want to learn how to fight like a UFC fighter, but they don't understand what a foundation and that, is. And that's bullshit, right? Because the UFC fighters are all the karate kids. Those are Taekwondo kids. Those are the, those are the Kung Fu kids. Those are the Judo kids. Every single fucking UFC fighter right now was a kid who did a kid's karate program or a kid's judo program or a kid's wrestling program. There's no guy that's coming in right now that just says, oh, I, I went straight to the – there's a few, but they're an exception, not the rule, well, right? I'll right now, you. everyone came from a foundation of something, and that, and then they mixed it up. Hey, you know what? Steven Wonderboy Thompson's last fight. Just – you want to talk about a traditionalist that transitioned into MMA, check out his last fight, Angelo. You know, um, Wonderboy's badass, dude. Point fighter, you know, they said Kempo. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that they said Kempo um, in the announcement. I was like, that's cool. So he actually gave props to his lineage. So that's cool. So wrapping up with last two questions, what do belts truly mean and why do you train? I guess those are two different questions. You can't combine them. <laughs> That's fine. We'll, 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 we'll say what do belts truly mean? What brought, I'll tell you. Again, belts are nothing more than, than goals and accomplishments. All right? And, you know, I'm happy I went through that. You know, it's, you know, I, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, belts this, but you, you know what? It felt because each belt taught you something. Each belt was a journey um, one step closer to that black belt, you know? And I, I, I guess the belts are, are just journey, just like anything else. Like, like you said, if you didn't have the curriculum, you wouldn't know where you're going. You know, it's like, but hey, 
the white belt meant this. The orange, the blue, it meant this. You know, the brown, the black, it meant this. So you have that journey that you went through. Um, now, the next question was, what was the next? Yeah, and then I don't have to add anything because I already answered. I answered your, your color belt system question earlier. So the next trait, why do you train? I, I train because it just uh, it's a it's a way for me to just have my time with myself and you know um, even when I'm tired and I don't want to train and I do it I'm I'm happier that I did because it's one of those it's almost like I have to let something out. Like it's all, it's not stress. It's, it's, I'm letting out, I'm expressing like myself through my sweat movement. It's just, that's why I do it because you know what? No one can force you to do this. Uh, martial arts is, is very individual. And, you know, the coach isn't around, you know, Angelo isn't around all the time. And guess what? It's really up to you. I mean, I can fake it and be like, yeah, I'm, and, and you know, say I'm a martial arts guy and, and not do anything. But no, dude, I, I got to put myself out there um, live. I, I got to practice what I preach and I'm holding myself accountable. And uh, I, I enjoy it, bro. It's, 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 it's just therapeutic for me, I guess, you know. For me, that question always changes. Why do I train? I've trained for many reasons in my time. I've trained to fight in the ring. I've trained because I wanted to defend myself from thugs. And then when I came to Japan, my work schedule changed. And suddenly I had free time in the morning. And I realized something. Um, one of the things I did at first was after all my work was done, and I had all this free time because I don't have any friends out here. And the first thing I started doing was just drinking. Like, all right, I guess I have nothing to do. I'm just going to drink. And I'm sitting there drinking by myself. And that got old real quick. And I was like, yeah, I was still doing my training. I was still train my original because I was busy with work. So I always set aside my two days a week and the once and the, or the once a week at the, at the MMA gym. But um, no, before the MMA gym, before the MMA gym, I was still training my twice a week, like twice a week I'd train. But when I first got out to Japan, I was in this slump where I was unemployed, trying to get a job, and I was getting my master's. No, this is before I was getting my master's, so there was no master's program at that point. Yeah, there was just nothing. I was unemployed, waiting to get a job, sending applications, and I had some money that I set aside for three months of unemployment. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I had some money saved up because I knew this was going to happen. And I was just kind of like working part-time at a manufacturing plant just to kill time. Not because I needed the money, but because I figured, hey, I can't just be sitting around here all day doing nothing. So uh, I started working for my, for my father-in-law at the manufacturing plant. They're like, hey, you'd have some engineering background. We'll have you cut these, whatever. So I was doing that shit. But it was only part-time. So I get off of work around October 1. And I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do now? I guess I'm just going to drink. I'm going to drink. So I started drinking, 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 drinking. And then my wife would get off of work and I'm like, 
sloshed, <laughs> fucking, oh. fucking, fucking hammered, and and like, but I was like, you're hammered again. But she was cool. Like, she's like, oh, you're hammered again. Um, oh, yeah, I'm pretty relaxed. All right, cool. But after a while, that got old. Like that lasted maybe a week or two. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I gotta do something. Even though I'm already doing like, I was already training twice a week. Like, okay, I went to the gym twice a week, but it was getting expensive. I'm like, you know what? I think, I think I'm gonna put together a training program that I can do something every day, uh, Monday through Friday when my wife's working. So I don't sit there and just get hammered. This can't be good for me. So, so like, that's how I ended up originally getting into my training every day. Uh, David Goggins shit that you said. <laughs> that's, how Goggins, that's how it started. You're like, the Japanese Goggins <laughs> out there. I, gotta, I don't, I can't do this. And like, so I started training. I started first, started, okay, I'm just going to do some running. And I started some running. And then, okay. And then each time I started adding a little more. I'm going to do my forms. And I'm going to do my bases. I'm going to, even though I don't have a Kaja Kembo class, I'm going to run this as if there was one. And I would just sit there by myself like a crazy person calling out names, calling out the, the moves and everything in front of a mirror in, a, in one of the empty warehouses. My father was like, I told my father, my father saw me doing this by myself. <laughs> He was a thousand insane. I was sitting outside next to a pond, next to a rice field, doing my block, saying inside block, outside block. Okay, everybody, pull up. Like, because I was like, you know, if I don't stop, if I, because I have no class, if I don't keep doing this, I'm going to lose a skill set. So I'm sitting there talking to myself, and my father-in-law tells my tells my wife, he's out there like, are you hammering that little son? Is he drink? Is he drinking again? He's sober. Oh, he's sober. He's sober. He's trying to do better for himself. So like, goes, <laughs> like so, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. So he finally says, "Well, he can do that. I have an empty warehouse. Like, I think he was embarrassed, like my son-in-law. <laughs> so I think he, he wanted to hide me. So oh. he, told me, he told me, he told me, I can do that inside one of his empty warehouses. Oh. That's kind of far away from the." From the company, everything. So then, that's what I started doing is I do my jog, I'd run, and there was a. Uh, that's funny. My first gym, as a joke, I put it on Facebook. Angelo's Rice Field Warehouse Gym, and the reason it was that was because it was a storage facility for rice, and he'd keep all his extra engineering parts in a tractor. And um, there was like a little parking spot, and he said, "Hey, you can train in this little spot here. It's like a, it's like the area of a parking spot." I'm like, all right, cool. It's concrete. I'm like I'm used to concrete. And I started doing my line basics. I put a little mirror. And as time went by, I put weights and it turned into that giant gym I have now. But it was just that space. And eventually the tractor got moved out. He's like, hey, you want more, some more space? Uh, I, have, I can put the tractor in another warehouse. Sure. And then I started training by myself. And people started asking, you're that guy who's always running around with a backpack. What do you, <laughs> have, what do you have in the backpack? And I'm like, water? <laughs> Why do you wear the backpack? I'm like, well, you know, like sometimes I'll run like six or or 12 miles and about, you know, around the six mile marker, I need some water. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. So like people started asking, what's he doing in there? Like we hear him talking to someone, we hear us and past and whatever. So that's when people started asking about training. And then I started taking up some students and training out of there, but that's what it turned into. I, I, why did I train? It's changed over time. And for me at the point I'm at now, um, I train because what else am I going to do? So like, I could, I guess I could do other stuff, I, I guess. But for me, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the way my body feels. I enjoy the way I feel. 
And um, again, that, that, that time with myself to really evaluate where I am and what I'm going to do next. Cause like you said, once you're a black belt, you start all over again. So like now I know all these techniques. So now I review what I have and then like, well, where am I going to go next for myself? And like this last week I was working on a combination that was frustrating me. It was a, it was a jab straight knee. No, no, that wasn't the one that frustrated me. The frustrating one was the jab straight rear low kick, front low kick straight for the life of me. I was having a hard time with that combination. So I was like hammering it away, hammering it away, hammering it away, hammering it away. Where do you come up with your combos? Is that something you you make up on your own or do you get that from somewhere? Mortal Kombat? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going to say, I don't remember that one. <laughs> no, actually, uh, yeah, I, I come up with them. I come up with them. I, I, I chain link my combos. So I have the basic combination. I have all the basic combinations that I teach my students. These are the basics of kickboxing, jab straight, low kick, right? Or the jab straight, high kick or jab straight uh, knee, right? You have your basic combinations. And then I'll be like, well, if you have a jab straight knee and then I have my, I have this combination over here, which is the low kick jab straight. What if I combine these two combinations? What's that going to look like? And that's, and I have a notebook where I, where I, where I start chain linking combos. So I have my basic combinations I have for my students. And then I have the complicated combinations that I have for myself just to fuck with myself. Like, okay, how would this work? What would this look like? And then after I've nailed it on the bag, okay, let's see it in sparring. I'm going to try in sparring now. And that's just, that's why I train. <laughs> Angelo, son, are you drunk again? <laughs> are you hammered? I wish I, I, wish I was there for that one, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he, I can see your father. Hey, uh, what, what's your wife's name? Gaudi. Sorry? Uh, Gaudi. Gaudi. Yeah, yeah. Gaudi. There's something wrong with him. Do I need to know about that? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? Uh, going back. Yeah, I mean, training is something that you know. There's, and, and I've questioned it sometimes. There's times where I'm like, "What am I doing this for, man?" You know what? And that living this lifestyle of just expression and movement all the time it's not for everybody you know it's it's you're co always constantly researching at least i know i am i'm all like today um i was uh training with uh this other you know filipino guy and i'm like he he makes me he he, he there's like I, I train with a lot of different people but he really breaks down the learning it's really cool and and i know what he's trying to say but he breaks it down and i rethink about the things i do so that's why meeting different people you know um and that's why i train bro and right now it, it's funny how i'm just meeting all these different people um and you know uh, uh, I, I listen to a guy online and when I'm unmotivated, I'll, I'll, I'll have, I'll pick up a guy on YouTube, um, and I'll play him on the loudspeaker. I'll send you what I did, but bro, you know what? His combinations are nice and it, and I was picking it up. So that, that's something else, you know, I just went off a tangent, but no, you know, 
and that's, that, that's completely connected to why you train, right? This is what motivates you. And like I said, it's not for everyone. I was just having, a, I was trying to have a motivational speech with one of my students the other day of like trying to get him to get his fire. Cause like he had some fire when he started and now his fire is dwindling. And I, I realized I'm like, I can't, and I told him like, I can't make you do this. Right. He burned out. Like he's, he's unmotivated. I guess burned out's the word. He's not for me. Burnout is when you do it too much and you're tired. Overtraining. Yeah, that, that's not that's not burned out. He's he's unmotivated. So I'm trying to figure out like what where where is this coming from? And there's probably something happening in the background that I don't know. But like yeah, again like I can't do that. I noticed that I can't do that for, for that has that has to come from within. But um, either way, we've hit every single point that you sent over. Um, we will do this again before uh, we're going to do the wrap up right now. So the, the music is playing. Well, not us. Like the music is playing for anyone watching this, but for me and Mickey, we're pretending there's music playing. And um, what I want to say uh, before we wrap up, check out, hit subscribe on the YouTube video. That'll help me out a lot. Um, again, tune in radio. Uh, iTunes, if you want to do that route, you can just Google Social Jello with Angelo. I don't know where you're hearing this from. It's like on, I don't know, it's 20 different radio stations, but I don't know who listens to it. But if you do, uh, I ask that you go to YouTube and just hit subscribe. Uh, if you want to train with Mickey, where can they hit you up? Uh, you know, right now, since with, with uh, the pandemic, I'm actually doing Zoom private. So if you guys are interested, Hit me up. Um, if you guys got a heavy bag, cool. If you don't, um, don't worry about it. But um, M. Lopez at acdsal.org. That's my email. Or you can follow me at uh, DSAL Boxing Academy on Instagram and on, on Facebook. You know, I can hold on. Let me type it in right here, guys. Let me see you guys see it. DSAL Boxing Academy. Actually, here you see. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Here's the chat. Okay. On the chat, it's got it right here. Okay. Cool. 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 I can click on it. Okay. D Sal Boxing. D Sal Boxing Academy. D Sal Boxing Academy. Okay. So here I'm going to share screen. When I share the screen, though, it's not going to share this one, is it? No, it's not. All right. So we're going to go here. We're on a journey, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. There it is. D, D Sal Boxing academy Ooh, is that in hayward california is that right you know it okay there we go d sal boxing academy this is what it looks like right here there's their facebook page as you can see you can google d s a l boxing academy for you podcast listeners so you can check it out and you can see right, hey that, that's a sample of my um private training right there you see that angelo oh, oh i see right there oh look he's got he's got videos on facebook too so you can check it out yeah. he's doing zoom lessons so please do, please check it out. If you're sitting at home in quarantine wondering, what can I do? I'm sick of drinking every day. And my father-in-law is looking at me funny. <laughs> Yay, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Classic, classic. Really out there the, in the in the, <laughs> I, I wish I was there for that one. What's he doing? Uh, oh, man. Well, thank you very much. And we'll catch you all later. Peace. Peace.